You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Sixers fans, we're up two games to nil over the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, if you ask me, this is a place we probably should be in, given the talent discrepancy of these teams. But hey, you know what? I will take it. I will happily take it. 96-84 victory over the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And it's after winning 121-101 on Saturday. Good times, happy times, chill ride, chill vibe here, as always, on the Out of Sight Podcast. Dave Early will not be joining me tonight. However, I have Liberty Ballers' own Sean Kennedy joining me on the podcast tonight post-game. Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Dio. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to be back on the LB Podcast Network and talking a Sixers win. Um, I, I guess it's a little results over process tonight because one of the uglier 12-point wins you'll probably come across in the playoffs uh, looks a little hairy with the five-point halftime deficit but Sixers finally figured out what spacing should look like offensively <laughs> off those double teams and defense really clamped down so I'm not going to be a too much of a nitpicker they 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 played really well in the second half good job getting the job done tonight and uh yeah we're heading to Brooklyn that second that third quarter specifically in the second half defensively like that was a master class holding Brooklyn to 14 points in the third quarter and that kind of triggered that 20 to five run that they went on to erase yep. the five point deficit. And like, that was it from there. Like that, as soon as like that run happened, I was like, all right, that's all she wrote. Like I, I know Cam Johnson, we'll get into Cam Johnson in a second. And Bridget was starting to heat it up a little bit in the third quarter, but I was just like, I think I'm good. I think we got this. We're okay. We're all right. Yeah. Every, everything's just so tough for Brooklyn offensively because they they just don't have like a, a prototypical go-to score. Like Bridges has been tremendous since arriving in Brooklyn, but he's not a polished playmaker for others in addition to being a scorer. So it, it's hard to funnel your offense through him entirely. Dinwiddie's more of a like off ball secondary playmaker type. He's not, he's not a true point guard, I wouldn't say. So it just offense is so hard for them to come by. So once the Sixers got over that hump and built a little bit of a lead, 
I, yeah, I, I also just felt really good about it. So, yeah, the 25 run. Who knew all Doc Rivers needed to do was say, come on, come on, guys, um, <laughs> as we all we all heard on the national broadcast. Um, that was his big his big pull it together speech. Uh, he really rallied the troops. Good job, Doc. Phil Jackson never had a speech like that for, <laughs> for Michael Jordan. That never yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, one thing that I commented on in the beginning of this series that was kind of triggering for me, I was just like, why are people thinking that Brooklyn is going to give this team fits? Like, I get it. They they have some nice pieces, but the, the sum of the pieces, I, I don't know if they they don't have the talent. And I was looking at some of the stats and I saw that like Brooklyn, they're like bottom of the league in half court offense. I'm like, if Philly clamps down on transition defense and limits turnover, something they didn't do tonight because they had 19 of them. I just don't see how Brooklyn scores points. Were people saying Brooklyn would give us trouble? Listen, I, 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 I felt heard, like there was it was pretty much Sixers and five. I there was everywhere I saw there was some Sixers there was some Sixers and six going on there. There was like oh Brooklyn's gonna steal game one. Like no, they weren't. No effing way. Yeah, it's it's a real struggle for them. Like offensively, they just they don't have enough pieces right now. They they traded away two of the best isolation scorers of this generation this season. And I think they did well in both trades for the future. And they got a lot of good players in the present, but they have about six good to above average off ball parts. Yes. And they just don't have enough, you know, on ball pieces right now. And again, all credit to Mikhail. He's playing amazing basketball, but that's just not quite the role he needs to. It's great that he's flourishing and developing that part of his game, but he's not a number one for a playoff team that's going to be taken seriously. So Mikael Bridges is definitely not who you think of when you're just like, okay, he's the number one scorer on a championship team. Yeah. And I mean, not his fault. He's he's not his fault. He's just, he's so new to that role um and he still has a lot to a lot of work to do in that regard um and it's amazing the strides he's made in two months but you know still still a lot of work to be done so yeah the the nets just the offense is such a struggle and defensively they have they have no one match up with Embiid, so that's why we're seeing this you know kind of gimmicky defense where they're just double and triple teaming him like almost before he gets the ball a lot of times and it's just opening up so many wide open looks for the Sixers when they they have their spacing right and when they're moving off ball and doing all the you know kind of common sense things you, you should do as a team that is seeing your best player get doubled and triple teamed constantly um they didn't do it in the first half tonight they did it in the second half they did it in game 1 and when they do that you see the results and the offense becomes a lot easier for them so yeah i mean could Brooklyn shoot like they did in game one and the Sixers just miss a ton of open looks and you know they they lose one game maybe but Brooklyn's not a serious threat to the Sixers team and to your point about spacing and Embiid kind of navigating through the double teams yeah he had eight turnovers but at the same time he was still able to help on these assists to one Tyrese Maxey who had 33 points tonight, six to 13 from three. I We say it all the time on the Slack and on the website and in the Twitter. 
This kid fell to 20? <laughs> Thank goodness, man. I, there's There's been a lot of times when I get kind of down on my Philadelphia Sixers fandom experience. Like, there's times everything just looks like a struggle with this team. Like, Harden looks like he's 40, and Embiid is going through one of his little funks sometimes where he's not getting the whistles and he gets frustrated and kinds of kind of sleepwalks through games every once in a while. Um, but, you know, Tyrese is always out there running Mach 5, smile on his face, just looking like he enjoys the game of basketball. And that's always been something I could fall back on uh, this season is just uh, watching Tyrese Maxey continue to develop, flourish, and do it with a, a real joyous attitude. And I, I totally appreciate that about Tyrese. And it was good to see him, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think this is a playoff career high for him. Maybe it is. I I, I didn't look at the stats, but still 33, incredible performance. Um, and just taking what was there, like, hey, you're wide open. So yeah, shoot 13 threes. They're they're there for you. <laughs> um, attack the basket off those those hockey assists where they come to you and then there's a guy flying at you trying to close out because they had to make this crazy rotation off the double from Joel. Like, yeah, go to the basket. You're the fastest guy on the court. Like, why wouldn't you just? really easy decisions in hindsight. And, you know, I think Tyrese did a good job of it tonight. T Tobias did a good job of that, but um, not everyone did, especially in the first half. But yeah, Tyrese, great, great performance and really good defensive game from him as well. So good, good two-way effort from Tyrese tonight. Just well, well-deserved, uh, you know, flowers coming his way for how he played a game too. Absolutely. And, I, you know, Tyrese has had to have a solid game two because James wasn't exactly on his game tonight. Three of 13, two of eight from three. Had eight points, but he still had like seven assists and five rebounds. Four steals, however, so that's that's interesting. I don't know. I can't remember the last time James Harden had more than two in a game, but hey, thanks, James. Appreciate that. Um. Are you worried at all about James going up to Brooklyn or are you just like, eh, it's fine. He can coast and then we just need him to be ready for Boston. I'm, I'm not worried about him going to Brooklyn. I'm worried about him against Boston. Like, yeah, I if he had come out and he had like the 28 point. 12 assist kind of game where he's like looking how he did coming out of the all-star break or after his month off from uh, the injury earlier in the season and just had a little bit more of his legs under him, then I'd feel, okay, like this team can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Celtics. But this version of James that we've seen in the first two games, yes, he shot the ball very well in game one, which is great, but he just didn't have the burst that we've seen from him at times and at times we haven't, and he's really struggling to finish around the rim and they're going to need that aspect of his game. In addition to the outside shooting, in addition to the playmaking, if they're going to beat Boston, because Boston's going to a have better options against Joel. They're not going to have to quite sell out as much as Brooklyn is, as far as the double teaming and everything's concerned. And they are also a more disciplined defense. You know, Brooklyn's only been together as a roster for two months since the trade deadline, you know, kind of threw half their, their rotation out the window and brought in a bunch of new guys. So they, they haven't had a ton of time to work together. And 
defensive communication is a long process. Boston has that. They've been together for a long time. They made the run to the finals last year. So you need James to be able to like be that ISO guy at the top of the key. Okay, let's let's run the pick and roll and create with this dominant ball handler. Let's be the guy that can beat his man off the dribble or be the guy that can make the step back threes. You know, he's a threat either way. You have to account for that. Um, if he, if he's not that guy against Boston, it's really difficult to see the six or team winning. So that's my concern. It's just that we need we need the James Harden that you know, that. Oh, this was a no doubt about it, all-star player. Why why wasn't he an all-star? He's maybe he should be an all NBA team guy. That's the guy they need. They don't need this guy that's what was he like one of seven in the paint in game one and yeah. now three of and, and now he only... from the field in game two. Like that's that's not gonna cut it. So in in that sense, I'm very concerned. One of five from uh spots that weren't three pointers tonight. I the thing going into the this playoffs, I was wondering if he would return. And Sean, I am happy to report that uh, playoff Toby has returned, and I <laughs> I love it so much. I enjoy it. Another strong game from Toby: twenty points, twelve rebounds, five offensive, just like muscling dudes on the glass when Brooklyn went small. I loved every second of that. Like, okay, all right, Toby's here. I I can. I can take I can take a lap in a little bit because I'm I'm the biggest Tobias Harris supporter on the site, I feel. So I'm gonna take a lap right now until you know that regression happens. So I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy <laughs> this for now. But yeah, Toby's, good, I mean, Toby's played very well him. so far. Yeah, it I mean Brooklyn's playing small, so really like Tobias is as tall as anyone else on the court for the Nets. So he he should be active on the glass. They're doing the uh the crazy double teaming and everything so that that leaves the the offensive boards vulnerable um so he and pj tucker are both doing a good job in the first two games of taking advantage of that uh and they had they put him in the dunker spot for that stretch in the third quarter tonight and that really seemed to be a a good move because then tucker was finding him from the corner for those little those little drop down passes to tobias in the paint and then tobias is uh he's a good playmaker himself like he so he made a few reads where he got it um, on the interior and he kicked out to guys for three. So just, uh, and, and like Tyrese, he was, he was ha- attacking closeouts and, and going hard to the basket and just, yeah, I mean, the, the opportunities are going to be there for everyone. That's not Joel, because they're, they're just so concentrated on Joel. You're going to have an easy time. If you're one of these supporting cast guys, um, you, you just got to be aggressive attack, be confident. And Tobias was tonight and he, played with a heck of a lot of effort just as the the work on the offensive glass showed and made some smart passes and yeah just good game from Tobias that's that's what you want to see for sure I want to comment on PJ Tucker since you brought him up a little bit yeah he had no he didn't have any points <laughs> and he had eight rebounds he had the three assists but something that PJ was doing specifically in the third quarter which I love to see PJ knows why he's out there the arena knows why he's out there. The NBA knows why he's out there. If he's in that corner and he's got an open look, he's taking that shot, right? But so many times in the third quarter, he would like fake taking that three and Tobias would cut wide open under the basket. And just like three or four times on that 20 to five run, he would kick to Toby inside and just like Toby would take a bounce and just muscle his way to the cup. Just intelligent play by PJ tonight. Yeah, that's, that's playoff PJ. Um, that's why they brought him. He knows knows how to play in this type of environment. 
yeah, he was, you know, didn't hit the shots tonight, but he did enough for that in game one. And he's just been a, a menace on the glass because guys, it's it's hard to check out and, and, and find a man when a shot goes up and you've been flying around trying to cover these defensive rotations like Brooklyn is. So he's he's been really helpful in that role and, you know, good defense, making, making the good reads. Uh, you had those to Tobias, like you mentioned, on those cuts and down to the dunker spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think playoff PJ has been a, a roaring success for, through two games so far. I'm not going to besmirch Brooklyn at all. Uh, I think that in Brooklyn, they're a completely different team. They get the home crowd. And I just don't think that Seth Curry is going to go three for eight from the field. Uh, Royce O'Neal is taking a lot of shots like Dinwiddie, like Dinwiddie's going to have that like 30, 35 point game in Brooklyn. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. <laughs> I I don't know if I, I don't just for the record. I do not uh, think Spencer Dinwiddie's going to have that sort of game. I'm just I'm just <laughs> always afraid of sp- the, the Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm winning this game game. Uh, um, I'm, t- I'm team Kuzma in this this debate. <laughs> and then we haven't seen any of Cam Thomas or Patty Mills. Like I don't like I hey Jacques Bourne, he's got his eight man rotation. That that's fine. But I don't know if he's just like, hey, I'm playing with house money here. If we win a game, cool. If not, whatever. These are my eight guys. Yeah, I I mean Vaughn's doing a good coaching job, and I mean it all kind of just boils down to they just don't have anyone to guard Joel. And if they even had like one usable option to kind of throw in there and he could play straight up occasionally and you can do do more of a like faint the double sometimes throw it at him sometimes just keep him guessing but the fact is they're they're just so one-dimensional defensively right now the Sixers have the formula to beat it they've done it for three of the four halves um it so I I don't know what else Brooklyn can really try I think they just have to kind of like like I said earlier just just roll that out hope that the Sixers miss enough shots and that they remain hot like they were in game one. And that's, that's the really only the puncher's chance that they have. Um, I don't, I, I really don't see a, a long-term path to success for Brooklyn in this series. They're, it's just too, they're just too outmatched and um, they're, they're playing hard, but they just don't have the pieces right now. And that's, that's fine. Like from a franchise building perspective, that's, that's, they set themselves up for the future. It's like, any any playoff reps they get for guys like Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson right now, that's just gravy. Um, so yeah, like could they steal a game? Sure, but it's it's at best a gentleman sweep right now. Um, and I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers swept the series right now because I don't even think the Sixers have played their best game yet. Last thing before I go into break, we were commenting. You're just talking about Brooklyn's defense. I said this to my brother watching these first two games. I'm like. Brooklyn plays defense the same way like five guys at the at the basketball court or the gym play defense when like no one has played with anybody ever. So they just run two, three zone the whole time. Like there's no on ball. There's no man on man on ball defense at all. Like I just it's it's a funny little observation for me, but I don't know if you feel that way. Well, for me, five guys I just met at the gym. It's a lot lazier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they 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 go into the two three zone because that requires the least amount of running that that you need to do when you're playing pickup. Um, yeah, I I think Brooklyn is 
you know, they're they're working their their tails off. They're they're flying around the court. They're they're trying to cover these defensive rotations as best they could, but it's hard when you're selling out so aggressively in in the scheme that they have right now. And I I, I don't know. It's just it's it's not really a feasible thing to do for a full forty eight minutes. Um, and especially when if you you miss one communication or one defensive uh rotation you got a guy like maxi just flying down the lane suddenly um it, it's gonna it's gonna be tough to stop uh, i i don't i think i don't think there's it, they just don't have the personnel is what it boils down to i don't i don't i think it's their best chance is to go small and just kind of leave it up to the maybe we can have threes outscore their two the old school analytics and that that's their chance to success but yeah, it's it's hard right now. I don't I don't know what more they could really do. Um, yeah, I think I think the Sixers just outclass them in terms of the the rosters. Out of sight podcast. It is post game edition. Sixers win ninety six eighty four. Go up two games none in the first round series against the Brooklyn Nets. We'll be right back after these words. And uh, I have some thoughts about what the Sixers could possibly learn from the Brooklyn Nets in this series. So back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Deal Royster, and Sean Kennedy filling in for David early tonight. Sixers go up two games to none in the first round matchup against the Brooklyn Nets. And Sean, I wanted to bring this up and I wanted to see what you thought about it. I feel like the Sixers, even in a sweep, they can learn some things from how Brooklyn plays defense. And I want to see if I'm on to something here. So with Brooklyn, they are doubling Embiid. They have been like right off the catch. And when they play Boston, Embiid is going to see a lot of the same thing. Celtics defenders are going to be coming from all angles, and Joel has to make quick decisions 
about where he needs to go with the ball to set up his teammates and maximize efficiency. He had seven assists tonight, looked really good passing out of the double teams. He had the nine, he had the he had the eight turnovers, but overall, I think Joel looked good handling the double teams. Is this series decent practice for Embiid managing playoff double teams? I think it's definitely good practice. Um, it's not something Joel hasn't seen before in the past. I think it's just kind of like the extreme version of it. But within the, the scope of the current personnel, it's good for guys to learn what spots they should be at. And if Joel's here on the court, if he's at the elbow, where should I go? If he's down closer to the post, where should I be? Uh, just kind of learn every iteration of where the the offensive movements and cuts should be. Sure, that's definitely good practice to have. Um, Boston's going to be a lot more uh, creative about how they go about things, and they're going to disguise things better. They're going to mix up coverages a lot more because they, I, I think they'll be comfortable like, oh, Al can just try to, body him one-on-one this possession and we won't throw the double at him just to keep you all thinking more so it's it's good practice but i think Joel's gonna it's it's gonna be like going from a college level course to like a master's degree level course for Joel going into the boston series because all the decision making is going to be at a whole nother level that he needs to do um the defensive rotations are going to be a lot sharper from Boston because they just have a lot more reps with that group than Brooklyn has. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's playoff basketball. It's always good practice and a good warm up for, for you to, to build on moving forward as you go round by round. But um, I I don't, I don't think it's going to be like, Hey, they solved Brooklyn's double teaming scheme. They're ready for Boston. I think that's going to be a a next level kind of thing. And they just got to, keep working and keep improving right it's it's different because like like you said this is pretty much going from like a 100 level course to like a 300 level course going from brooklyn to boston but like you said it is decent practice and you did say that you know boston's played together like that group has played together for a long time so with that squad and that head coach they're going to throw a whole bunch of different things at them also defensively Boston does a lot of switching that is also something that Brooklyn has been doing a lot of this series so Maxi Harden to a greater extent DeAnthony Melton they are getting looks and uh screens and running pick and rolls with a team that just does a whole lot of switching and like that's all they do obviously Boston's different because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown two guys that are over six foot six so it might be a little bit different, but uh, again, it's it's good practice. They, they also have this army of wings. So in the sense that Boston has a similar roster construction, a lot of the, the ways the Sixers are going to attack are going to be similar. Um, so in the sense that, yeah, Harden's struggling against these taller defenders that Brooklyn's throwing at him. Are we concerned that he will similarly struggle against the Celtics? I, I am. I'm sim- I'm concerned about it uh I, I think boston does a better job with their 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 passing passing on to the next guy with the switching so yeah. i think this the stuff that may be a little more open against brooklyn is not going to be there against boston i think they're not going to sell out with these doubles so a lot of the open lanes and open cuts that are here 
in this series are not going to be available against Boston. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to say, like, it's, we're encouraged by things that are happening in this Brooklyn series. Does that make you encouraged for Boston? I, I mean, for me, it just really doesn't. I, I think it's just a whole different animal. And I don't know. We're, we're going to have to see when Sixers go up against Boston, like how this team looks. Because for me, it's just get through the Brooklyn series healthy. And that's, that's yes. the bottom line. <laughs> Everything else is kind of window dressing. I mean, we knew coming in that, or I, I mean, apparently you said some people felt differently, but I, I, I never really viewed this Brooklyn team as a threat. I felt like it was a good draw for the Sixers to get them. And going into round two, that's that's when things really ramp up to this whole different level. And that's that's when the Sixers have to really iron out any flaws in their in their schemes and they, they have to eliminate some of these mistakes they've been making in these first two games because that's that's just gonna be a whole different class of, of basketball that's being played. And with all with some respect to Atlanta Hawks fans, like I realize that the series is still in session with the Boston Celtics, but uh I watched that game on Saturday and you're not winning a game against the Boston Celtics. You're just not, which is why we as Sixers fans were like, we're getting ready for Boston. Okay. The way Atlanta came out and the way Boston came out on Saturday night, I was just like, is Atlanta going to win a seat, a game in this series? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. No, I, don't I mean, think so either. <laughs> honestly, I was shocked. Like based on what I saw in the play-in tournament, I was I was shocked that Miami won Game One against Milwaukee because I was watching those play-in games in the East, and it just looked like a different tier of basketball than what we've seen from Milwaukee, Boston, oh and the Sixers when they're playing to their ceiling. Um, and so yeah, I, I entered the actual playoffs, and it, any any of the the first three series between the one eight two seven three six it, i i'm i'm shocked that miami won game one and how much of that was Giannis suffering that back thing i don't know but yeah i just feel like these these bottom three teams um just not in the same class as the top three so um i, I don't think atlanta beating boston if they get a game i'd, I'd be very surprised um boston looked incredibly polished they were just getting whatever they wanted on the offensive end and defensively they were just shutting down everything atlanta was trying to do um until the last quarter or so which i mean boston does have a a tendency to take their foot off the gas occasionally which i mean they do maybe that's something the sixers could exploit but um yeah as far as atlanta's concerned i i don't see i don't see them stealing a game really Last thing before we get out of here, um, anything else surprise you over the weekend in the first couple of games? Like right now, as we're speaking, uh, Golden State is currently up 19 to 12 on Sacramento in game two. But over the weekend, uh, what, what did you see that made that made you go, hmm, that's interesting? Uh, well, I mean, I just said the Miami win was I, I was honestly shocked by that. I don't think that's like a sign of things to come i think that was just hey it's a weird sport and sometimes weird things happen in right one, a one game setting so I, yeah i i think milwaukee probably wins that in five games still maybe six since miami has one in the bank um 
Yeah, the New York Cleveland series looks like it's going to be a a really long, tough series. Um, I think the fact that Cleveland doesn't have wing depth at all is really going to come back to bite them. Yeah, and that I you kind of knew that, like in a vacuum, but to like the Knicks did a great job exploiting that in a way that I, I maybe didn't think about as much as I should have um, thinking about that series. And uh, out West, um, I don't know. I, I think, I guess the only real surprise was Sacramento being so young and, you know, they, they obviously haven't made the postseason in over a decade and Golden State's the, the team that's been there a million times and Sacramento just like looked ready for the moment. They didn't back down with the, the close game coming down in the fourth quarter. Um, so yeah, kudos to that, man. That was, that was a, one of the more exciting, you know, first round games we've probably watched in a long time. Um, so I think the, the Kings are, I, I think everyone's kind of ready to brush them off. Like, Oh, golden state will, they'll get it together. Cause they've done it a million times, but the, the Kings looked a lot more ready for the moment. than I think people gave them credit for. So um, that was, that was probably the, the, one of the more surprising things, but um, yeah, other than that, I think everything kind of went, as I might've thought, I, I, I think Memphis is the vibes of it's just been so bad for them the last two months. Yeah. Um, and they lost Clark and, Steven Adams to injury so that those were big big blows and so the Lakers getting that game one that wasn't really surprising to me and, and you know everything else kind of went to form I guess um I don't know how about you what did, what did you think of the, the weekend the Kings for me are the big one and like I didn't really even think it was that much of a surprise for me because like I I understand they're the Golden State Warriors they're Steph Clary they're Clay Thompson they're why I was I was blank on the third guy. <laughs> you got you got Draymond's Draymond. Draymond, I knew, the, the front, I knew yeah. it began with a D. I just couldn't remember yeah. what the heck his name. But was. still, even like you know, Wiggins has been a he's Wiggins coming like, back. The the core is there from the title team. I so. was just like I was just like, why are we? Why are we acting like Sacramento can't hang with this team? Like they won forty eight games for a reason. Like I'm not ready to just say, oh, yeah. just because it's Golden State, hey, they're gonna win this in six. No. I, well, it's just you know, playoffs are a different animal, and it you see a lot of times that team yeah team can win forty some games in the regular season, but uh, playoffs is a whole different thing. So until until people have seen it, you know, some sometimes you just got to see it to believe it. So I have it know. on record. I have it on record on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, truth so no, it's not. Tr- <laughs> I'm not on Truth Social. Absolutely not. Do not even look me up on that. Um, but I said Kings and six from the oh. get go. I was just like, I'm not just going to hand golden state this, this first round. season. Yeah, I'm well, not that, doing it. Yeah. That might, that might end up being a good call. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with game two tonight, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully you set it on, on draft Kings and FanDuel and, uh, well, I, all I, those too. <laughs> well, I, I did because I put it, I, I did because I put 20 bucks on Sacramento and six on draft Kings. So there you go. Oh. So yes. Like the beam, like the beam, Sacramento, <laughs> win me money. Come on, <laughs> uh, game three of the first round six matchup between the Nets and the Sixers coming up on Thursday night. Tip off is at seven thirty, which in NBA timing te- terms means seven forty five. Well, <laughs> um, it depends if it's ESPN or TNT. 
Um, so e- e- ESPN does the full 15 minutes of waiting. They 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 don't they don't even kick away from the studio show until after 10 minutes. TNT is actually pretty good. They 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 get to it like seven minutes after the scheduled time. They're they're right along with the local TV, the normal stuff. So well, if it's a Thursday, that makes it a TNT game, I believe, because I believe ESPN does uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I'm checking. Yeah, it's TNT, so it, it actually will be uh, around 7:37 tip. So. All right. Well, we'll good, good, good thing to know for everyone at home. That's actually something I learned this year is that it's only the ESPN games that are (laughs) incredibly late starting. So, well, we will see everybody on time at 730, (laughs) 735 ish. Uh, Sean, thanks for jumping in on the site with me today. Um, Where can people, obviously, Liberty Ballers, they can read and check out your stuff, but on, uh, are you on any other socials these days? I'm very, very rarely posting on, on social. Um, I'm much more of a lurker these days. Um, but I'm at, I'm at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. So, give me a follow. I I do occasionally say something of interest, but it's very infrequent. I, I won't I won't clog your timeline with with meaningless stuff if if that's something that um, appeals to you out there, folks. So, Joan is very efficient in that regard, which is why he's yeah. one of my favorite six followers. <laughs> Uh, but you can always uh, read things on the site, <laughs> libertyballers.com. You can follow me. I'm at Adil B. Royster. Follow Liberty Ballers at Liberty underscore Ballers. Sixers continue their playoff run Thursday, 730 in Brooklyn, right up I-95. Sean, thank you again for coming on, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Good chatting with you as always. And uh, yeah, go Sixers. Let's get, let's get this sweep. Talk to you soon. Bye.